Greetings, listeners. You have found hope. This is the Bridge to Hope podcast, Finding Hope. We are doing this podcast because these are topics that really hit home for us. We see how domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, and everything in between impact people. We want to share our knowledge on these subjects with you so that you can be an advocate for somebody in their time of need. We feel that it is important for our community to be aware of that these things are happening and maybe even happening on their street or to somebody that they know. I'm Coltra and this is Alyssa. I have been working with kids since I was 12, starting with babysitting with my sisters. I previously have worked at the YMCA school age care program. Now I'm the family and youth advocate at the Bridge to Hope. I started in March and I love what I do. I work with families to help them process trauma they have experienced. I refer them to community resources too. I also reach out to youth organizations and schools in Dunn County. I actually just graduated with a degree in criminology and sociology, so I don't have as much experience as Alyssa does. I worked at an at-risk youth home before starting part-time here with the bridge as a crisis worker. In September, I became full-time as the legal advocate, where I deal with all things legal. I help clients fill out paperwork for custody, divorce, restraining orders, and more. I can go to court with people as a support, explain legal processes and terminology. I have somewhat of a tricky role because I have to know all things legal, but also because I can't give legal advice since I'm not trained or certified in law. Before we get too far into this, we do want to give a disclaimer that we focus on sensitive topics through this podcast, including domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, stalking, rape, battery, strangulation. We won't talk about all of those topics today, but at some point we will. For each episode, there will be a tailored disclaimer. So if you're not comfortable with certain topics, you can avoid them, but still be able to listen to other episodes. This week, we will be doing somewhat of a soft start with the history of the Bridge to Hope. We will also be talking to Naomi Cummings, our director, who has been with the Bridge for a number of years and has seen the place grow and develop in different ways. Bridge to Hope has been around since 1982, even if it looks a bit different now than it did back then. It initially started as a grassroots movement by a group of men and women in the community who recognized the lack of services and resources for survivors of domestic violence. The agency was originally called West Central Domestic Abuse Agency, but changed its name to the Bridge to Hope in 1996. Initially, the bridge was not a safe house, but gave victims a safe place to stay through a network of volunteers. In 1998, a house was donated to our agency and we expanded to become a shelter. That same year, our 24-7 crisis line was initiated. In 2013, a text line was added for those uncomfortable or unable to call due to their safety. 2002 brought the opportunity to collaborate with the Dunn County Health Department to provide forensic exams for victims after suffering a sexual assault. In addition to that collaboration, an on-call team was developed to go to the hospital with survivors for the exams to help ease the process and make sure victims' voices are heard and honored. The Bridge to Hope has come a long way. Initially, in its first year, the Bridge to Hope only served 37 clients. In 2020, 86 people, including children and their pets, stayed in our shelter. 
advocates met with 388 individuals in person. The Bridge to Hope received over 2,000 hotline calls from individuals seeking shelter, in crisis, asking questions, and those calling to tell their story for the first time, or needing support from an advocate to listen through their time of need. Now we will be talking to Naomi Cummings. How long have you been at the bridge? Well, I first started working here in 2009, and then I became the director in 2010. It's been 10 years. (laughs) Okay, awesome. What are some of the biggest changes over over your time here at the bridge? Well, there's certainly been a lot of them. I think in terms of our culture, you know, I've certainly seen a shift in our attitude toward sexual assault victims, you know, from what it was 10 years ago. I mean, we had the Me Too movement. It was the trial with Bill Cosby. And I think a lot of those were really eye-openers for people. And I think it helped us transition away from um, victim blaming, which I think was very often the case before. So so now we're starting to not ask those questions of like, what was she wearing or Why would someone go to someone's motel room, you know, things like that. So, and just, you know, the fact that Bill Cosby was a serial rapist, I think that was a huge eye opener for people too. And also the student that was assaulted, you know, um, next to the dumpster, you know, after a fraternity party, I think her statement was just, um, it was so well stated. I think um, the effect that a sexual assault has on somebody can be so devastating and I don't think a lot of people understood, you know, the the wound to your soul, um, and it wasn't just something that happened to your body. That's right, you can see a huge change. Yeah, you can see a lot of development in the way that people are able to speak out, mm-hmm. but then also who we're putting the blame on now. You know, it's not just right. a random person who looks creepy; it's big names and people that are high in society. Exactly. Most people used to teach stranger danger to their kids. Now we realize the majority of the time, it is someone that they know. You know, another big change is um, our services to the LGBTQ community. I mean, that was something that, you know, we didn't really talk much about 10 years ago. And um, certainly an awareness also that men aren't always the abusers, the perpetrators. You know, sometimes they're also the victims. And that you can have an abusive relationship in a same-sex relationship. So that's something that, you know, we've all learned a lot more about. And there's certainly been a shift. And, you know, and having men in our shelter. I mean, that was like a huge big deal the first time we did that, you know. And we survived and the other shelter residents all survived. And, um, you know, so we keep making these shifts that I think have been really positive. I think it is awesome that we allow men in our shelter. Rain. Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network says that 1 in 33 males are sexually assaulted in college. I think another big one has been our relationship with law enforcement. And certainly when we started doing the lethality assessment protocol, um, to me that was really critical because we were finally reaching the, the victims that were at the highest risk of homicide. You know, Otherwise, they weren't hearing about us. They didn't know we existed. And certainly, um, they didn't know that there were services available for them. So to me, that's been huge also. As an agency, we are open 24-7 to serve families and individuals 
who are survivors of sexual assault, domestic violence, human trafficking, and other related issues, regardless of their gender, age, orientation, religion, race, or ability. We provide a safe place, both physically and emotionally, through acceptance and compassion. We serve both Dunn and Pepin counties with our free and confidential services. We also work with law enforcement, judicial agencies, human services, schools, and churches to connect with and serve survivors where they are at in their story. This work is not easy. What has kept you going? How do you keep doing this? What keeps you motivated and going on these things? Well, that's a good question. But um, to me, it's, you know, just really important that this work is making a difference in people's lives. Um, you know, and I've worked in the for-profit uh, world and I've worked in the nonprofit and that's just has been my my leanings. You know, I'd rather be working to make a change in society rather than trying to sell things or um, other kinds of fields like that. So making a difference and knowing that sometimes it's just a matter of planting seeds, you know, and that they grow eventually. Not always, but they do. So what have been some of your proudest moments and accomplishments with the bridge? Well, certainly moving to this facility is just huge, you know, and, and part of that was the realization that how can we provide healing for someone who's been really traumatized? We're putting them in a situation where they're living with strangers and sharing a bathroom and um, certainly no peace and quiet. And so what we can offer now, I think, is much more oriented towards healing and just having a nicer space for victims also, yeah. I think. Before it was kind of a make-do attitude, you know, it's like, well, you know, the hand-me-downs that we get that are donated, that are torn or stained, those are good enough for victims, you know. And um, I think we've certainly moved a away from that and realized that um, we can have a higher standard and we can expect that and that we should be able to offer victims, you know, a safe, comfortable place to stay and start their healing. I think there's also been a growing realization on on the impact of trauma and how that affects people and how they really do need to heal from that. You know, they need more than just legal services. They need space and time to heal. And victims are, are easily triggered and they're prone to anxiety attacks. And, and for us to be able to give them some tools, I think is really important. Um, and again, that's something that we weren't super oriented towards before. The ultimate goal of our agency is to eliminate issues of domestic violence and sexual assault in our community. We aim to do so through compassion, empowerment, integrity, and protection. Beyond, you know, the general human trafficking, sexual assault, the domestic violence goal of eliminating those things, what is one of your goals with the Bridge to Hope or with the work that you do? Well, I think to me, you know, having been in an abusive situation, I was totally ignorant about what to call what was happening to me. You know, um, I didn't even have the vocabulary. Um, so what I would really like to see is, is education directed towards young people. I definitely agree with you. Educating youth is so important. So they recognize the red flags of an abusive relationship. Um, because if you can avoid getting into one of those, instead of trying to um, get out of one, especially if there's children involved. I mean, that's, that's a huge difference. So just so, you know, we can provide that education to people and help them 
you know, not get themselves in that kind of a situation, I think is, is personally important to me. That was perfect, Naomi. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Naomi, for speaking to us today. Because we address such heavy topics, at the end of each episode, we want to take a moment to talk about some self-care. So Alyssa, what are you doing for self-care this week? I like to unplug for self-care, put down my phone, and hang out without constantly checking it. It definitely makes me more relaxed, knowing that I'm not plugged in all the time, constantly looking at my phone for messages that come in. For me this week, self-care means that I'm looking back in myself, trying to do some more yoga, um, some of the more holistic approaches that I try and take to mental health. Thank you everybody for taking time out of your day to listen to Finding Hope. Next week, Alyssa will be talking about teen dating violence. We hope that you have gleaned a bit of your own hope from our discussion today. Thank you again for stopping by and have a great week.